0: We pick up where the conversation left off in the previous episode.
1: Now, I, I said, I'm slightly concerned we haven't talked about Bitcoin. So, it's Bitcoin is
0: Bitcoin is on the agenda. Bitcoin is on the agenda. Absolutely. We had a few things we've 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 talked about the philosophy a lot, but maybe now the next few things that I had planned was more about the actual nitty gritty and uh, the meat and bones, meat and potatoes of investing because. There is a school of thought. Now, I I love your investment theories. I've read your book. I understand completely where you're coming from. It's about balancing capital appreciation with capital preservation, okay? And that's, you've got your bonds. You've got your bonds for the preservation for when there's a downturn and your gold. And then you've got your stocks for the appreciation for when the good times are rolling. There is a school of thought. There is a school of thought that says, if you're young enough and if capital appreciation isn't something that you let's say you want to take your profits within the next 5 years okay then you are more at the whims of the stock market because yeah. you'll know, you'll know more about the stock market than me but yeah. it's been shown over 5 years that you'll almost you'll always have more money than what you started with after 5 years right okay so if you're going into the stock market and you've got an over 5 years investment strategy, investment plan, plan for taking your profits, plan for you retire, all of those things, that would it not be more, because stocks have been proven to be the highest returning asset over any period of time, would it not be more sensible to have a 100% stocks portfolio? And just take the hits and the ups and downs. What do you think?
1: No, I covered exactly this in my second book, Live on Less, Invest the Rest.
0: Oh, I see. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you about your second book as well. That, we will, we will delve into that.
1: Yeah, so, so I guess right, perhaps I should, rather than ranting about the environment and, and Greta Thunberg, <laughs> I'll have to focus more on this one. When you said what's changed from, from the first book, well, I mean, so there's a very simple answer to what you just said, and it's a very well known classic kind of approach to investment, which is a thing called 100 minus your age. And so, basically, what I've done this book really there was actually there's a five email series on in the opinion section of our website. If you just if you search plain English finance one hundred minus your age, you'll find the first one of five. And it and basically this book is that five email series and a whole load of other stuff that's you know emerged over the last few years and really really answering you know this has got really dull stuff like how, which which stock how to open an account with a stockbroker and what is an ISA and this is much more nuts and bolts like prescriptive. This actually goes hand in hand with our Facebook community and you get it for free. You get the digital um, version of your join. but but hundred minus your age t- t- uh, treats exactly the point you just made, which is basically if you're, if you're 20, so in the, so hundred minus your age is an idea that's been around since probably the 1940s. Um, and it's pretty conventional in the States for financial advisors. And they basically say, um, yeah, if you're um, the younger you are, the more risky your investments can be, the more equities there could be. So the old, Approach to it in like from the 1940s probably till about ten years ago was it's basically 100 minus your age is what you own in equities or put another way you own your age in bonds. So if you're 50, you'd have 50% equities, 50% cash and bonds or bonds whatever. If you're 70, you'd have 30% in equities, 70% in cash and bonds. And if you're 30, it's the other way around. You'd have 70% in the stock market and 30% in bonds. And 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 basically my you know the rule of thumb is that you rebalance that every 5 years you don't have to mess about every year going oh 64 whatever you know you just you just do 50 45 40 etc cetera, etc cetera. the problem with that idea um in this day and age is that that worked far better when bond rates were 6 or 7 or 8 or 10% so i did, there's a 54 year chart of the us 10 year which is basically in interest rates the, the, the biggest global um you know, uh, bond market, which is which, which kind of sets global interest rates. Ish. Um, I'm just trying to find it, but um, perhaps right. So that's I don't, you can see that. But the uh, average, yes. So basically, that's interest rates in the 80s were 15. percent I used to make 11 percent in my post office account when I did my paper round when I was 12, <laughs> um, and now they're half a percent. Okay. Yeah. So and the average is probably about six percent. Mm-hmm. So if you had a million, if you manage, there are two problems with that. Firstly, if you are 50 and you've got 50% equities, 50% bonds and cash in an era where you, where the 50% that was in bonds was making, you know, six or seven or eight or even 10%, that's still really contributing to your ability to grow your wealth. Right. Yeah. Now that it's half a percent or 1%, it's really not. And so to your point, you probably want to have a much higher allocation to equities, right? Because, there's no use in making half percent or one percent. It's going to really take you far longer to make sensible amounts of money. You know, going back to my example of five thousand becomes nine hundred forty-five thousand at ten percent. It's no good if you're making one percent. The, the maths don't work anywhere near the same, right? You end up with nothing. I mean, and that's called underperformance risk, which is a very real thing. And that is why no one should ever own a cash ISA, in my opinion. It's just the most disastrously stupid. You're losing real wealth every year. I think it's a scandal that we have financial um journalists in this country you actually talk with a straight face about which cash is i it's just ridiculous but, yeah
0: because let's not forget that when you put into a cash i it takes off your total life's contributions doesn't it there's money you could otherwise be using uh your yeah. 20 You're 20 grand doesn't yeah. that come out of I, your 20 grand
1: i think that's right you can't do more than 20 so that's right yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah but um you know if you want to save cash just save some cash but you know whatever um a month's worth or three months worth or six months worth or whatever you feel comfortable with but don't but you know everything over and above that must be invested to beat inflation there's no point in having it sitting that is, is, is less than inflation but anyway but so so if it, 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 it the other problem is with this low interest rates is in the if you retired in 1995 when interest rates was 6% or whatever 7% and you'd managed to build a pot of a million quid you'd be able to take your million quid and pay yourself 65, 70 grand a year of income off that pot, right? Because interest rates are six and a half, seven percent Now you're lucky if you can pay yourself 10 grand. So we have got a million quid that you've managed to get to by doing all the things we recommend over a lifetime. Fantastic result, except no, because the risk-free income that you can swap a million quid for now is 10 grand a year. I mean, and people are, again, this is a story that people don't understand. That That is a disaster. So, Anyway, the whole focus of this book is explaining, okay, so rather than thinking about bonds and equities, what you need to do is think about aggressive versus defensive. So if you're 50, you'd be 50% aggressive, 50% defensive. And you need to start thinking a little bit more, in a more nuanced and sophisticated way about what defensive could be. Aggressive is very easy, right? Aggressive could just be the S&P 500, the MSCI world, global maybe a bit of Bitcoin for some of your aggressive um biotech small i mean most people biotech's been going 14 percent per annum for the last 15 years smaller companies have done 15 percent per annum for 55 years right nobody knows this stuff now the crucial importance is that they don't do it every year reliably they have massive volatility so sometimes these things halve and what you've got to it's very important to deal with to treat volatility as you as you grow wealth right so so anyway we the investment fund we've launched is explicitly for the defensive bit. And the idea is that you basically use backward-looking trend following and global multi-asset so that you're you're in the S&P, you're in the FTSE, you're in gold, you're in oil, you're in whatever. And then in a scenario like last year, you come out and go into cash just using a a formulaic rules-based backward-looking trend-following strategy so that instead of when the S&P falls 55% like it did in 07, 08, 09, you're out and in cash whilst that happens. Now, you never sell at the top and you never buy at the bottom because that's just the nature of it. But over evidence going back to 1872, it, it lifts returns and massively reduces that max downside. So that means that we hopefully I think we have a defensive product with a max downside of sort of 5% or 10% peak to trough, worst negative year of about 6%. But that can capture seven and a half, eight percent 8% um, over a business cycle, which means that defensive bit of your money – can actually get you to these terminal values, you know, and and, and pay you in retirement. Um, so that's a bit of, again a bit of a long winded answer, but yeah, the way to think about being more into equities is to use this idea of a hundred minus your age. And totally agree. If you're thirty there's no reason you shouldn't have 70% of your cash in more aggressive things in biotech and smaller companies. And all of that stuff is covered in here. And if people don't want to buy the book or join our group, it's um, the five email series on the website and it's all that content's free. You know, it's just accessible.
0: Cool. Cool. Yeah. Because that was always, I, I, I heard of the, um, the rule of 100 minus your age and uh, the stocks and bonds things, But now what you're saying is that that's slightly shifted in its thinking, in its narrative, and it's more we should be thinking about the nar- the the idea that that proportion should be defensive uh, rather than just uh, aggressive.
1: Yes, because in this, like in the nineteen sixties or whatever, like if you were a retail investor, you could only buy bonds. You could only buy the Dow Jones or the US tenure. You couldn't buy crypto and biotech and eat You know, so now this is again another point I made in the first book is the, is how much better financial services are now. You have so much. You know, I talk about 10 asset classes in my book. That's eight more than just bonds and equities, right? So so it's a way of, but it's a way of thinking fundamentally about aggressive versus defensive, which ones to choose, keeping it really simple, you know, um, big, liquid, simple stuff. And and you know, the other thing, just to say quickly, is, of course, the other, the, you could perhaps use 120 minus your age instead of 100 minus your age for a couple of other reasons. Life expectancy has gone up a lot, right? So if you're going to 100 minus your age, is in an area where average life expectancy is like 83 years old. Well, if you're going to live to 110, that's not what you—not much use to you. And similarly, I did—I joked about this in the presentation the other day. One of my clients from the job that I just quit is 90 years old. Bless him. He's an amazing guy. He's what he was—he made partner at a stockbroking firm in the early 60s, and he's still going right. And he can drink, I mean, last time I went for lunch with him, he, like, he can drink more wine than a, you know, it's just absolutely insane.
0: Top man, that's impressive. I hope no. I'm like that when I'm 90. What was yeah. it, 98? Uh,
1: he, no, he's, he's, 90. he's 90. Oh, he's
0: 90, he's 90. Yeah,
1: yeah. Although to be fair, he was 88 last time I went for lunch with him. And I just, like, <laughs> I don't know how you do it. But, but, you know, the point being is that he's still earning money at 88, right? He's still earning a pretty decent crust. So he doesn't need, a, he, he didn't retire at 65. You know, he's had 20 plus more years of earnings, so obviously that changes the equation. So he could be more risky than 100 minus your age. so he might use actually he might use 130 minus, 130 minus your age, which is crazy. But these are all, as I say, I cover all that in the second book. Um, and you know, I like to think that it's, again, the, whilst that, the last few minutes of this, this um, discussion have probably seemed a bit complicated, and I'm speaking very fast actually if you get down you know what i've tried to do is paint the picture in a really simple first principles way it's like okay so you're 40 years old what percentage aggressive what percentage defensive and what simple things would you think about for each of those and then kind of go la 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 la, la and ignore all the you know the, the pick and mix stuff of this and that and sales calling you just go back to the most big liquid simple stuff like the s&p 500 or you know you might buy a buyer, but it, but that basically outlines a sort of top down way of thinking about it and, and doing that
0: we 've mentioned Bitcoin a few times in your original book you are whilst you 're not necessarily negative about it, you are on the fence about it shall we say and you said that whilst there could be massive upside, it also could be something that goes to zero and I believe I believe from memory that you said if someone was planning to get involved with the space to allocate no more than five percent of their total invested capital to the space how do you has your opinion shifted since then are you still on the fence are you are you even negative or bearish about it now? Uh,
1: look i think so to me it's quite simple right it's a it's a highly volatile speculative unregulated asset right which means that I think it's as appropriate for somebody's portfolio overall as a very risky share, right? So I would probably never put more than between two and five percent of my money into a very risky share, like a, a single biotech company or an oil and gas company that's out in Alaska trying to find oil. And it's you know it's on the London stock market worth a hundred million quid. One day it might be worth two billion quid, and you make twenty x your money. But you know in the meantime, it might also drill for oil and spend hundred million quid trying to get oil out the ground and find a donut and have zero and be worth nothing, right? So I, I because but. But the other thing about what I guess if my thoughts have moved on further. The other thing is, I think it's really, really important that you think big picture about what you're trying to achieve financially, right? And what you need that I don't actually need Bitcoin. I don't need something that is unregulated, incredibly volatile to achieve my own personal financial goals. And I think most people don't. There are, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of companies there are etfs on whole indices there is gold there there's such a paradise of opportunity to invest in right all of which is regulated you know there is actually somebody checking that it's real and that lawyers have gone over it and prospectuses have been written and whatever else rather than some chinese whale wakes up in the morning or elon musk tweets and suddenly the market's you know all than 50 percent i i don't Bitcoin could go to a million per Bitcoin. Right. And, and, it, and it really could. It could be. but There's incredible uncertainty over that. So what really pains me is what I see a lot, which goes back to what we were said at the top of the call, is the number of people, especially people of a certain age, let's say under the age of 40 or even under the age of 50, frankly, what I see on social media who have never thought about an ISA, who don't know what a share is, who've never thought about don't know what the equity market is. They don't know how to buy the S&P 500. They've never looked at the FTSE. They've never looked at how to invest in gold. They've not really thought about their pension. All this stuff that's been around for 200 years, right? The, 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 The technology of investment that mankind has been using for 200 years. And they've gone straight past all of that. And they're investing all their money. And in some instances, borrowing on credit cards to invest all their money in crypto. Because of the whole thing about, well, you know, Bitcoin goes to a million you know. and I've seen people online talk about how they're so excited that they're gonna be able to turn five hundred pounds into enough to pay for the, you know, the retirement of their their kids going to private school and retirement and so, And it it's like I saw the same thing in oh seven, oh eight, I saw the same thing in nine nine two thousand with different nine nine two thousand was the dot com crash, you know, when petfood.com was valued at like, you know, fifty billion dollars or whatever, and was losing money on every can of pet food and shit, you know. The, and what I just I think Bitcoin is is an entirely Bitcoin and crypto and it's a very interesting space intellectually, blockchain, what it might do for the world, Ether, you know, for sure. And, and Bitcoin could go to a million. Um, but it, but I think that there's real uncertainty about whether it will or not. And so for me, I don't want to deploy any capital in it because I don't need to. I don't You know, I have very, very clear goals financially about what I need to get to in order to fund me and mine you know look after my wife and kids and you know whatever else and i have a i have a real domain knowledge about a whole bunch of investments that i've been working with for 22 years right and so why would i risk any of my capital in something which you know elon musk wakes up and tweets and it falls even the risk reward is not attractive to me right because i i just i don't need achieve my financial goals and live a great life i don't need to buy something that might go up a thousand percent but might go to zero and i don't want to so you know having said that as i said to you, i've just quit my job um and i have my you know i need a lot of capital i might not be able to pay myself anything for the next two three years right so i'm slightly more risk averse you know right now than i might otherwise be if playing English Finance succeeds greatly and we end up with 100 million in our fund and you know, big, and everything's going really well, at some point, I probably will allocate a bit of money to Bitcoin or Ether or whatever, just because it's interesting and it's speculative and maybe it goes up a lot. But there's no way in hell that it would be like 50% or 80% of all of my investments. And it drives me nuts how many people I take. And I know you don't take that approach, but there are an awful lot of really, really evil people online, you know, preying on people on Facebook Saying, oh, you know, you can't lose. Look at it, and they and they do the most ridiculously. So, in the regulated arena, you would go to prison for doing what they do, which is they say, you know, cryptocurrency. y has gone from this to this, which is up ten thousand? If you'd done this, you'd be a millionaire. That is totally illegal to do. Whether if you're breaking biotech or mining or normal equities, and it's not, and it drives me nuts that that's not illegal. These people should go to prison, right? Because it's so irresponsible, and and any volatile asset, you know. The other fallacious thing about that is if you say, oh, Bitcoin's gone from $100 to $60,000, right? That does not mean that everybody who owns it has made that return because a hell of a lot of them bought it for $19,000 in December 2017 when they got super excited and it was on the press every day. And then we're down to $3,000. The more volatile an asset class is, the more likely it is that you'll cock it up. And because human emotion is has a really, really strong part to play, right? And you'll go, oh, everybody's buying, everybody's selling. You know, it's just happened again in the last two weeks, right? Elon Musk wakes up one morning and tweets, whatever. Then the Chinese do whatever. I don't want to own something or expose my capital to something where there's that risk, even if it might end up being worth a million dollars. There's
0: nothing that you said that I would disagree with. Nothing that you said yeah. that I would disagree with. I think that's totally reasonable. And with investing, that's the interesting thing about it. There's no one shoe that fits. And that comes into trading as well. There's horses for courses. There's different styles, and people chase the gains inverted commas. But yeah. what works for you might not work for someone else. That's the long and the short of it. Okay, so, and,
1: and absolutely know, know yourself. Like, there's a great book called uh, oh, I forgot what it's called, but Doctor Van Tharp about trading. Oh, um, okay, Van
0: Tharp's Trade Your Way to Financial Freedom. Here we go <laughs> over here.
1: Yeah, and, and the, first, the first chapter, he says, you know, the most important factor in your success is you. Like, you have to know yourself. You have to know your risk tolerances. But if, if I may, um, the other thing, I, the other point I wanted to make, with apologies for interrupting you there, because I think it's really important, is one of the great life lessons I think we should all learn, and I'm still learning it at 45, is how you deploy your time is super, super important, right? The 80-20 rule, Like you get 80% of your results from 20% of your actions. So focus on the 20% of your that actually matter, right? Now, one of the other problems to me with crypto is it's incredibly time consuming to do it well and to do it properly. And I don't have the time, right? My time, every hour of my time that I spend working on plain English finance, doing a call like this, writing a piece, a thought piece about ESG, whatever, is to me a far better use of my time than an hour spent looking at screens trying to work out what Bitcoin or Ether might do next week. Truly. And I think that's very, very firmly true for somebody in their 20s, who should, frankly, be working to become better at whatever their main job is, and the ROI on that activity will be far higher on a risk-adjusted basis than the ROI on messing about in crypto groups, going, "What's it doing today? Is it up? Is it down? Hodl blah. You know, what a waste of time! Like, so, like, and now I know you're a lot. The, the counter argument is: if you've got five percent of your net, five percent of your net worth, and you have somebody who's got a good handle on what is Cardano, what is Ether, what what are, what are the merits of these respects thing, and says. Okay, so own ten of them and then just leave them for twenty years because that that could really materially impact your net worth. Yeah, that is probably a sensible thing to do, but I'd rather do that with biotech names. You know, I, I really would because of what, they might cure cancer. I mean, I I've got a couple of companies I think are literally worth a hundred times what they're currently trading at that I'm about to put in my pension, right? Uh, and I that's because they might cure cancer. I think that's that to me is a much more compelling investment thesis than a uh, really uncertain new category of asset costs that's unregulated and they can get winged around by Chinese people in Guangzhou, you know, because they've I mean you know anyway I'm ranting and and I will I'll shut up and let you say your piece with apologies.
0: Real quick guys I've put together a special report for Dentists entitled The Seven Costly and Potentially Disastrous Mistakes dentists make whenever it comes to their finances most of the time dentists are going through these issues and they don't even necessarily realize that they're happening until they have their eyes opened and that is the purpose of this report you can go ahead and receive your free report by heading on over to wwwdentistinvestcom forward slash podcast report or alternatively you can download it using the link in the description this report details these seven most common issues however most importantly it also shows you how to fix them I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts. No, it's great. No, I love to hear your opinion on it. And like I say, you haven't you haven't said anything that I would necessarily disagree with. When people get into the space, I don't think they realize just how much time it takes to water the garden and plant the plants and maintain your portfolio. And whilst there are a lot of hacks to make yourself more time efficient doing that there's an absolute ton of those things that i learned through time that made me way more efficient i would say you still have to keep an eye on it every day um as for actively trading it for me personally sometimes i go whole weeks and i don't move anything around Um, and then sometimes there's volatility there's a flurry of activity what I do is I make it a lot more efficient by setting trade alerts on my phone and on trading viewing. So I know if it hits certain prices, I don't have to be in front of the computer. But absolutely, that is not for everyone. And if someone is not prepared to do that, then my argument would be that you shouldn't really be buying many of the altcoins. So many of the alternatives to Bitcoin and Ethereum, because really, we talked about pump and dumps and manipulation a second earlier. 99% of those are pumps and dumps, yeah. okay? 99%. And by the way, this is coming from someone who loves crypto, okay? Yeah. This is that. This is coming from someone who loves it, yeah? 99% are pumps and dumps. However, one of the best ways to invest in crypto, although maybe you might not agree with it on an ethical basis, is to be able to suss sus which of those charts and which of those cryptos are pumps and dumps by assessing the chart, okay? And once you can do that, you can be on the right side of the smart money rather than the person who's still buying Dogecoin or Shiba Inu at the prices that it currently is. Because come on, if you look at that, that is so clearly a pump and dump, you know what I mean? And there are people who bought that thing when it was really cheap and they're selling to people like you so that they can make money. So absolutely, anybody who is... Actively buying Dogecoin or Shiba Inu at these prices, I would encourage you to think twice about that. It is never something that I would buy the way it looks at the minute. We talk about market cycles. Those are towards the end of their market cycle. And as well as that, we mentioned something earlier. Maybe you, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this. Well, you did, you did mention it actually. It is possible to passively invest in the crypto space, but there's yep. only, there's only two cryptos that I would do that with. And you might even argue there's, maybe some would argue there's three, okay? Those cryptos are Bitcoin and either, and Binance coin. Because as long as there's Binance, there will probably be Binance coin. But the third one I've said, maybe not everybody would agree with that. Not even everybody would agree that Ethereum is a good long-term hold. But the majority of the consensus in in the space would say that Bitcoin is your only buy and hold. Because whilst the space has value, Bitcoin will have value. That's the philosophy that a lot of people hold. But- I'll, that,
1: but I'll, make, I'll make a comment about it. So I was right, at the, I was a stockbroker with Swiss Bank in 99, 2000 when the dot-com boom was going on, right? Mm-hmm. And Nokia, I believe that Nokia peaked at about 200 billion euros of market cap and it, was like, it literally was 80% of the Finnish stock market, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone owned a Nokia phone. I mean, you mentioned a Nokia phone. Right? Everyone owned a Nokia phone, right? And everyone thought Nokia, Nokia is the big, dog, you know, big dog, eight hundred pound gorilla, bellwether that is got has won the mobile phone battle. It's worth two hundred billion euros. It's going to be a trillion dollar company. So you know, there were all these crazy prices, and, and the idea that Nokia as the most powerful, strong mobile phone incumbent globally would end up. I mean, I don't know what it's worth right now, but maybe it's five gone. billion gone. It's,
0: uh, it's, it's nothing, is it, compared
1: to what well, it was? Got, it had a mobile infrastructure business, and the last time I looked at it, it was worth about four billion euros. <laughs> so it was just making uh, mobile towers um, for Apple and, and, and Samsung to run there, you know. Um, and... I, I, I look, I've I've read a lot about Bitcoin. I've read a lot about the fact that you know the the, the way it works, it's so intractable, the proof of concept, the distribution, that that all that good stuff is why it is the big bell with a blue chip that could you know have longevity and stuff. But I heard all the same arguments been about Nokia that it was just unimpeachable, never gonna Apple come. It's, It's very rarely the first big dog that comes along in a new sector, whether that's mobile phones in '98, '99 or crypto today that ends up 20 years later being still the one you know
0: do you want to hear the spaces argument against that the spaces the spaces argument would be that bitcoin and ethereum are effectively etfs of the space okay so it's the equivalent of buying maybe the s&p 500 or the fitzy or something like that because it's an index of all the cryptos but again you and i can say whatever i can say all i like and you can say all i like basically no one knows okay no, basically no, no one knows that is the point
1: yeah and, I get, and look i don't know that the biotech companies i mentioned earlier could kill cancer yeah. and gut 100x right i mean or 10x or whatever but but i have a much better probability of getting that right as somebody used to spend six and a half years working in biotech than i do about getting crypto right now totally and, and I think, but, but to but by extension, I think um, that most people, whether they're 25, 30, 35, 40, whatever, who are gainfully employed in a job that's quite demanding and takes their time, have got a better, if they deploy their their hours of time into that job and career progression, the likely ROI for them personally in their life is higher than deploying that time into learning about what trying to figure out what Bitcoin and crypto uh, and Ether will do? That's my genuine view for most people. And and the other thing is, particularly when I see, I see. Teen, I mean, you know, one of the ladies who works with us at Planners Finance, her son's thirteen, and he and he asked if he could invest in Bitcoin the other day. He doesn't know what an Icer is. Now that now that is re- to me that is really worrying, right? And and that that is that's really prevalent right now is that kids on TikTok, um, you know millennials people at uni whatever that because the other thing is any speculative incredibly volatile asset, like if you've only got five thousand quid of savings there's no way you should be anywhere near it like you like wait until you're 40 and you've got a hundred thousand so, you know i mean and, and i know that there, i know you were an early adopter and i know that a lot of people you know there are lots of people in the crypto space who did get in and have made hundreds of times their money. So they maybe put five grand in and now they've got two hundred grand or whatever, and that's that's great. But you know that two hundred grand—I mean, a mate of mine's are worth well over has over a million in um, BTC and Ether. And uh, you know, two weeks ago, you know, now it's six hundred grand. What like and what, what ha- and sort of psychologically. I would hate to have to think, well, I'm, God, I'm down 400 grand in the last three weeks. Now, is it going to go, am I going to be down another 400 grand in the month ahead? Or am I going to be back up 400 grand? I don't know. And I don't want my wealth. I don't want to have to sit there on a Sunday morning reading emails and looking at charts going, geez, is it going to do that? Is it going to do that? I've got no interest. Because in I don't need to. I really, really don't need to. to, to well, ultimately, what is the point of all this investment stuff, right? It, as I said right at the beginning of the call, it is to get to a point in your life where you can live on your capital, not on your income. I mean, and if you like to my point about my 90-year-old stockbroker friend, lots of people don't want to do this. People who love their job might want to carry on earning income. But it's certainly to just, to use financial products to help you become wealthy and, and have an easier life and be able to afford the things you like and look after your kids and depend on whatever else. In that endeavour, There are loads and loads and loads and loads of really good quality regulated assets with which I can achieve that. And whereas I just think crypto is, you know, it could go to zero. I mean, if if I know it's distributed and you can't, but but if you can't distribute the person, if it is is as illegal to go through Heathrow with a USB stick with crypto on it as it is to go through with three grams of cocaine in your pocket, that's not going to be very good for the price of Bitcoin, right? Right. Or in, or any other, you know, if, if an American central banks the world over, this the three countries that have tried to replace the U.S. dollar with gold in the last twenty years. Do you know what they are?
0: No, I'd love to hear though.
1: Iraq, Iran, and Libya. Okay, the three countries whose whose you know political leadership was mad enough to try and take on the American you know, what's called the Pax dollar, and basically the American hegemon, the dollar global currency system. If Americans are disproportionately wealthy because everybody uses the dollar, it enables them to do stuff that nobody else can do and take more than their fair share of the world's economic output, right? What happens to those three countries? Because they say, well, screw you, America. We're going to trade our oil in, in a gold-backed dinar now. How quickly did the tanks roll in, right? Now, Bitcoin- That's crazy.
0: I didn't know that. I had no so the, idea.
1: I don't think a lot when most crypto enthusiasts don't want to be asked about it, right? You know, I get I I the, the, the lots of the arguments the, the, there are plenty of counterarguments to what I'm saying. It's really interesting, you know. Um that it's a wonderful technology, like the, the, to get rid of a, an intermediary and have proof embedded into the into the blockchain, all that good stuff, but and it's distributed and stuff. But at the end of the day, if it starts to threaten America's ability to project power globally. Now, there's a great, I forget the name, there's a really good Bitcoin commentator. Uh, it's like a Turkish name. He's a British guy. He's based in America. He's quite prolific. No doubt. You, uh, uh, it'll come. Uh, Ron Paul, somebody Paul or um, not Ron Paul, but um, anyway, it might come back to me. Anyway, he made a really good point, which is a counter argument to my argument. So, OK, fine, but Bitcoin could easily be half a million dollars a you know, before it gets banned, and actually, in the last two years, he's been right. You know, it's come from three thousand to sixty thousand. So, you know, my argument, my argument that maybe one day America wakes up and makes it illegal to carry to use crypto on pain of seven years in prison, right? And so did the EU, and so did China, and so did Japan. And then, well, what happens then? That argument has been valid for several years, and in that time, the price has gone from three thousand dollars to sixty thousand dollars, and obviously now back down to thirty-seven thousand or whatever it is. But but I, I, but that's a very, very dangerous game of Russian roulette to me with my hard-earned capital. Like, Anyway, and I don't, I, I, the overall conclusion to go back to your original question is I would certainly consider it for a small amount of my net worth at some point when my net worth is bigger. you know, And my net worth at the moment, the, 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 the speculative, aggressive bit of my net worth at the moment is all going to be going into biotech because I know these companies inside out. I think I have a pretty good handle on that space. I think companies that are going to cure cancer or dementia or have robots replace nurses in, in elderly patient care, and, 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 and there's so much incredible stuff happening. I think that is fundamentally more valuable than an untested, untried new uh, type of investment that the governments all over the world might make illegal in three years' time.
0: Yeah, I won't disagree with anything that you said. I won't. I think we can both agree, Andrew, that perhaps the number of people who get into crypto don't fully realize what they're getting into. And maybe it would be helpful if they had more of an understanding of what that entails and also a better understanding of their circumstances, conventional financial instruments, and how that reflects in their investing, not only generally, but also in the crypto space. Does that sound reasonable?
1: That is, that is absolutely. And, you know, and there are good guys. I mean, the trouble is in an unregulated space where anybody can say anything they want, there are lots of bad actors. Right. And that's and it's hard to disaggregate the good actors. But, you know, that's your that's your battle to fight. And I wish you the right best of luck with it. One other thing I wanted to say, though, um, before we move off the topic, because I ranted about it and I didn't mean to come across this. But, you know, it is fascinating. And the other thing I was going to say to you is. Some of the very smartest and most successful people I know, including my best man, you know, who was my best man at at my when my wife and I got married, who is a has a very very high profile job um, and is a super smart bloke, you know, are huge bulls of crypto, like and they think I'm an idiot, like you know, and then frankly they're smart, they are smarter than me, and it was like, but but it but it comes back to the opportunity cost argument for me personally It's like you know it. For me personally, I have a very clear plan about what I want to achieve, and what I need, and what I can use. Which vehicles I can use to do that. I don't need crypto, but you know, I just want to say that some of my very smartest friends um, have really drunk the Kool Aid and see the vision and think it's going to be totally transformational for the world and all that stuff. So you know, I'm probably full of nonsense. Is the point.
0: But that's the part I love about investing is there is no one shoe that fits. And to, to pull you back to Van Thorp's book as well, we were just talking about it. One of, one of, there's a lot of things. If anybody is trading and hasn't read that book, please read that book. I'm going to hold it up to the screen now for anybody who's listening to the audio version of this. It's called Trade Your Way to Financial Freedom. And by, it's a, by a man called Kay Van Tharp and i quoted a lot i quoted a lot in my trading it's not the only trading book i've ever read but it's definitely probably the best uh, it's, one of, and it's, yeah, it's
1: one of the real it's like one of the foundational texts of you know if you want to spend time on trading you definitely need to read it's that.
0: seminal honestly and the way the guy the <clears> guy <throat> makes so many interesting points in it he makes the point that trading is 100 percent psychology okay because if you don't have your psychology down it doesn't matter what system you use, you'll never be able to trade it effectively. And this other point that he makes that really sticks with me is that there is no no holy grail in investing. This is the exact quote. There is no holy grail in investing. There is just your holy grail, and you need to find what that is. I love that.
1: By the way, have you read um, Way of the Turtle as well?
0: I haven't, but it's on my to-read list. Um, I recently read, well, not so recently, maybe about four or five months ago, Psychology of Money.
1: But yeah, so I was on a call with him. Uh, three no way,
0: Morgan Housel.
1: Yeah, so I, um, it was this Irish. I was doing an interview for a big Irish um, investment thing, um, and uh, the two guest speakers were me and Morgan Housel. And I was like, "Bloody hell!" <laughs> yeah, he sold. Uh, I think that book sold three hundred thousand copies now. In fact, at two o'clock this afternoon, I've got a call with his publisher.
0: Exciting! Wow.
1: Yeah. To talk about my next book. So with that, with the same publishing house. Don't tell my current publisher that.
0: <laughs> yes, I don't think anyone will listen to this podcast, so we should be okay.
1: <laughs> I'm allowed to go shopping, um, but it's an exploring school. But no, that I have also—that is—you're exactly right. It's that—it's that point about how important you are and your, you know, your, uh, your ideas about money. But I mean, then again, that is a malleable thing. Like <clears throat> one of the one of the biggest problems is people have all these totally incorrect beliefs about money. The stock market is a casino. Wrong. Cash is king. Wrong property can only ever go up and paying some paying rent is paying somebody else's mortgage wrong. You know, like, like if you've grown up with all these beliefs that are just totally simplistic that, you know, parents pass on to their kids and their parents are not financially literate like do this, do that. And they're just fundamentally unhelpful, wrong things. Then one of the most important things to do in order to succeed in investment is to change those incorrect things by educating yourself and, you know, I flatter myself to say that hopefully my book doesn't element with that.
0: Educate yourself, everyone. The books are out there. The knowledge is out there. If anybody needs some recommendations on books, you know where I am on Facebook. Andrew, we're coming towards the end of this podcast now. I, I wanted to ask if there's there will naturally be some people listening to this who have yet to begin their investment journey. Do you have any words of encouragement that you'd like to offer them to oh, begin? Yes.
1: Absolutely. I think the, the most important thing, so uh, we alluded to earlier, like my idea of ignoring the news, Right, I, I, every week, almost without fail, I'll get at least one email from somebody saying, I've read your book. I really loved your book. Thanks so much for it. Um, I've been thinking about investing. My wife and I just wanted to get in touch because we're wondering whether or not now is the right time to start investing because of Brexit, Trump, Syria, Libya, coronavirus, you know, um, Boris Johnson. what, what there's always a reason to be scared of investment and to not invest. And my answer to them, and I've written this up in some of my opinion pieces is the right time to invest is always now. Okay. And every month for the rest of your life, as long as you've learned enough about how to do that in a sensible way, like what are the main things and what, like waiting until some sort of time when, you know, there won't be Brexit or there won't be, coronavirus or there won't be there is never a time like that because as i said earlier the press spend 99 of their life of their time focusing on the 0.001 of bad things that are happening in the world right so we all have this completely fear-based incorrect understanding of investment so my anybody starting out on their investment journey should sort out an isa should pay at least 10 percent of their um whatever they can save you know, whatever they earn each month into a sensible mix of investments and i'd like to think that you know that's the theory and that's the practice, right? Um, and uh, just to repeat, I mean, if, if I may do a bit of a plug. Yeah, no, the- I'd
0: love, I would love. I actually wanted to ask you about your new book, so you, I can yeah. see you holding up to the screen. And for anybody who's listening, would you be able to tell us the title and a little bit more
1: about it? Yeah, sorry, it's called "Live on Less, Invest the Rest." And what? And it what, it's actually we call it a workbook. So it's. I actually had to pay a lawyer a lot of money to sign off on that book before we published it because. Um, it's quite prescriptive and it talks about our fund, for example, so you've got to be very careful about what we can and can't say with stuff like that. You have an investment fund um, and it all has to be disclaimed and, you know, hopefully, I think anybody who reads it will see that it's quite fair about the merits of our fund. In fact, it's only appropriate for certain amounts of your money and certain people and stuff. But, but basically, it's, um, it's that 100 minus your age idea. It's really the nuts and bolts of how to implement a, a, a sensible, big-picture, long-term approach to investment. It's investing. It's not trading. Um, and, and, and I just want to say, you know, our Facebook group is a fiver a month. You can join through our website, and you get everybody who joins the Facebook group gets that for free in audio and audiobook and ebook versions. Um, and you can get so you, can, you can join the thing, pay a fiver, get it for free, and then leave <laughs> if, if you want to, um, if you don't like it. Um, so you know, or you can, or it's available on Amazon um, along with the other ones. So, but I. Like I find it myself to think that that if you met, if you get through both of the books, you should be, you should be like eighty to ninety percent of the way to being able to confidently, or maybe even more, um, of being able to like sap an nicer and think about your pension and just get stuff sorted in a really prudent, long run, boring tortoise, you know, kind of approach to investment.
0: Um, Thank you so much, Andre. and thanks as well for being so generous with your time because we've been on this call. About two and a half hours and what i was going to propose i was going to propose that we split this into two podcasts actually because i think two hours is asking quite a lot of anybody to to sit through our rambling so that might be quite nice uh so what i will do everyone this you'll be listening to the second part of the podcast uh, this will be the the conclusion uh, that you're listening to now because this will of course be the second bit Andrew has been very generous with his time today. I'm so grateful that he's managed to squeeze us into his day because I'm sure he's an incredibly busy person. What with your fund, what with replying to people on Facebook, all of those things. So thank you so, so much, Andrew. If anybody who is listening to this is not on my Facebook group, the Facebook group that spawned this podcast feel free to search it on Facebook it's for dentists who wanted to raise their financial literacy and gain a practical knowledge about how they might invest sensibly emphasis on sensibly okay so that they can build a long term money pot and retire and live financial freedom and all of those things that we've taught that we're conventionally told that may be out of our reach they're totally within our reach and that is possible to do you just need the right knowledge to do it the facebook's name the facebook group's name is dentists who invest community group for dentists who enjoy trading i look forward to seeing you on there if you found this podcast of interest today andrew thank you so much once again and thank you for coming on the show
1: you really enjoyed it speak to you soon